Um, but yeah, we're reading from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through to 18. Um, so open up or follow along on your phone or on the screen. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me, He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Artichicus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains and grace be with you. And that is the word of the Lord. Amanda, come on up. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you here. Do excuse my croaky voice. I'm just getting over a cold this week, uh, but I am confident it will hold up for the next little while. Just don't uh, expect a long conversation afterwards. But hey, there's this famous story, you may have heard it, of a um, professor who places a big jar in front of her students and she puts in about a dozen fist-sized rocks into the jar and the professor says, is it full? To which the students say, yes. Well, she reaches on the table and she puts a bucket of gravel out, and she puts the gravel in the jar and shakes it, and then says, is it full? And the students are all obviously very clever and say, no, it's not full. Then the the professor once again gets out some sand and shakes it into the jar and makes it go to the top, and then says, is it full? And the students say, no, it's not. And finally she gets a bucket of water and tips the water into the very top and says, what's the point of this illustration, everyone? And one very clever student puts his hand up and says, "Uh, if you try really hard, no matter how full your schedule gets, you can always spit more in. (laughs) To which the professor says, no. Teaches us this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you never get the big rocks in. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you never get them in at all. 
Now, I reckon in light of our Bible reading, uh, there are two big rocks in the church called mission and community. Mission and community. I reckon they're big rocks. And if we don't put them into our jar first, they probably won't fit at all. And maybe you know that through things like admin or teams or weekly tasks, getting busy, sickness, all of life. You can end up not putting community and mission into the jar with so much other stuff all happening. And when you realise you haven't, you wonder why they don't fit. But thankfully, in Colossians 4, the last few verses of this wonderful book we've been looking at for the last eight weeks, Paul and Timothy conclude by reminding the Colossians and us, these are big rocks, stick them in first. Which is why the big idea and final encouragement I want you to see today as we finish our time in Colossians is Christians do mission and encouragement or community and encouragement better together. Christians do mission and encouragement better together. And so I want to encourage you, let's cheer each other on, on our shared mission, on our life together in a community. And if you're here today and you're not quite sure who this Jesus is and what it means to follow him, then come along with me and see what God's people can be like, why we talk about Jesus so much, because I'm thrilled you're here. And if you do know this Jesus, then would you be encouraged, not guilted, but encouraged in the community and in the mission that you're, that you're all on about, as Stephanie did share with us a bit earlier today as well. So I have three ideas to walk through. Firstly, uh, is that uh, we should be devoted to prayer. So prayer and mission are like butter and Vegemite, popcorn and the movies, or a gin and tonic. They just go together, right? In fact, Paul and Timothy can't conceive of any prayer that doesn't involve, any mission that doesn't involve prayer. Look at the first few verses. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God might open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it as clearly as I should. Have you ever watched how a couple hold hands as they walk down the beach before? Or seen a wife care for her sick husband? Or been to the airport and watched a child wait for a parent to come back from a work trip? We would say, look at their devotion! Look at their love. And that is the same way in which we approach our God in prayer. You see, God is our loving Father who knows all our needs, who has given us his best in Jesus, and therefore we're devoted to him because he's devoted to us. And we pray devoted and being watchful. The watchfulness is this clear vision of Jesus, the supreme son we've been seeing each week the last eight weeks in Colossians. It's the clear vision of who he is, knowing that he will return as well. Praying that others would taste and see the beauty, the worth, the value of Jesus as well. This is missional prayer, and it's prayer similar to watching the last quarter of an AFL game. One goal difference, the quarter starts, or an NRL game if you're into that. And there's a sense of urgency. The end is getting close. But... Unlike a sporting match, Christians are not anxious on the edge of our seats, unsure about what will happen, because we're devoted, watchful, and thankful. As we think about this big rock of mission, prayer is an urgent request, yet a peaceful confidence, as we delight in God, as he delights 
to use you and me to show off salvation in Jesus. Which is why Paul then asked to pray for opportunities and clarity for himself. The two big barriers to anything you want to do in life are always opportunity and resources. And Paul says, pray that I'd have both of them in abundance. The opportunity to speak and the resources to do that well. And he wants that because there is no gospel of Jesus without words. You cannot speak about Jesus with your actions. Now just consider, Paul doesn't want to be released from change at this point. Remember, he's in prison, not because he's stolen or he's done something wrong, but because he's been proclaiming Jesus and he's in a prison cell at the moment. And he does not say, pray that I get released. I would. If I got stuck in jail, I'd write to you and say, please pray I get out of here. And I'm sure you would ask for that as well. But Paul does not. He asked the Colossians to pray that God would open a door, not a prison door, but the door of opportunity so he could declare the mystery of Christ. Hear this. When life changes and does not go our way, the Christian is able to see this as a God-given means of gospel proclamation. That his mission does not take a back seat when your plans change. My dear friend Nick, who recently went to be with Jesus, had a six-year battle with cancer. And in that time, Nick saw more people come to know Jesus than in the previous 55 years of his life. And in that time, he said to me many times, I don't have long, it's all about Jesus. And so he ended up speaking at funeral after funeral for people he met while they were having chemo, as in his own unique way, he told them about the grace and kindness of the God who loves them to bits and sent Jesus to rescue them. And there's nothing wrong with praying for relief for Nick, as I did many times even with him, but there's more going on than just our comfort. This big rock of mission is sometimes uncomfortable. Being in prison like Paul was, facing sickness like Nick did. These are hard things. They take us out of our comfort zone for sure. And in these moments, you feel timid and uncertain and unsure, which is why Paul asked them to pray for him which is why mission and prayer go together. I think Paul was timid and afraid at times to be as bold as what he may have liked to have been from prison. I mean, it's awkward, intimidating and scary to think about opening your mouth for Jesus sometimes. At your workplace, your job is on the line, you have a mortgage, you have a family, you have to pay the bills, and you really do love Jesus, but there is a tension because if you ever got pulled before HR, you don't know what will happen. And that is a real thing that we face day by day. I think Paul can relate to that. Again, that's why prayer and mission go together. He wants them to pray together. The prayer he's asking is the whole church, it's plural, the whole church together, the body of Jesus praying. And it's that body image we've seen week after week in Colossians comes out as we think about prayer. All praying, all encouraging one another and urging each other on to help each of us in our attempts, in our own way to reach the lost. Big idea, Christians do mission and encouragement better together and it looks like being devoted to prayer and it's about acting wisely. Shortly after I became a Christian, I went to the corner shop around from home and I noticed on the, on the wall of the shop in big graffiti was something about Jesus loved you, turn to him. And I can't recall exactly what it said, but I do remember thinking the medium's a little off, if you ask me. I thought to myself, I'm not convinced that graffiti on a wall 
is going to get the intent of that message across. You know, sometimes the way we present Jesus misses what we set out to do. Not because we say anything wrong, we just don't give enough thought to how we say it. Which is why Paul asked them and commands them to act wisely. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. From over the dinner table to school mums and playgroup dads, workmates, suppliers, gym buddies and walking with the girls, all those spheres of life call for wisdom in how to talk about Jesus. And if we're sensitive to God sovereignly placing us where we are, then should the opportunity arise, resolve to respond with wisdom as fitting for that moment to then make the most of every opportunity. The word opportunity is also the word for time, not our time, but seasonal time. Like you might say, it's the time to, I don't know, time to think about getting a new house. You don't mean at three o'clock you'll go and get one. I mean, great if you did, but it's, it's seasonal time. You see, the Christian orders their time under its proper master God. We put in time for reaching people with the gospel, which is a profoundly different way of thinking. Instead of saying, what should I do with my time? The Christian can then say, how do I use my time for God? We adopt an outlook of life that sees opportunity and time as a vehicle God uses to put us with people and in places he wants us to connect with in a gracious way. Look at what he says next. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Chicken salt makes hot chips sing. You only need a little bit and the chips and the flavour come alive in your mouth. And so too, the Christian is to be like chicken salt. That is, always a Christian, always on mission. Listening, asking questions to get to know someone so that we can connect them with the gospel of Jesus to their deepest desires and longings. After all, no matter where the person you're talking to is at, there is always a story of Jesus from the Bible that will speak to them. And the more you know them and the more you know Jesus, the more you can connect every person to him with wisdom in a way they can understand, with grace. For example, many of you are teachers here. And if you were talking to me after church and you said, ah, Luke, your pedagogy each week you get up the front is very Bible-based, I would say, what? And I hope I said that in the right context because all you teachers are now saying, no, you got it wrong. How about this one? You're nurses, many of you are nurses. And if you said to me, Luke, it's an acute abdomen, I would say, thank you, I have been working out. When I think it actually means there's a really bad problem with my stomach, I should get it checked out because I'm going to die. Again, if I got that right. Um, You know what I mean? Because the same thing happens with Christian words when we talk about Jesus. The problem isn't necessarily the word we say like atonement or salvation. The issue is that you interpret it differently than what someone else might. For example, we say, as a Christian, we might say, submit and king. Submit to Jesus, uh, God is king. Right? Great words. But we have to be careful because they can often be seen as oppressive words that make people think of outdated rulers and imperialism. See, the Christian would say, God is king is really good news because of his loving rule and care. And submitting to him is actually a way of finding life and being forgiven. And isn't that great news? Except people may not hear the word submit and king in a positive way. Or you would say, ah oh, yes, we've gone our own way from God. 
Except that sin is a sign of freedom. It's good news because it means celebrating your journey of self-discovery. But the Christian says you find yourself when you find the God who made you for himself. You see, too often a Christian will leave a bad taste in someone's mouth because they do not think to be wise but right. They do not think about grace but about their own kingdom. And they do not think about what to say in the words they use but about how to get an opinion across. Therefore, let us resolve with all wisdom to make Jesus look as attractive as he truly is, as kind as he truly is with our words, so that we can point one another to faith and repentance in Jesus. And as you plot along with this in mind, don't forget you have everyone in this room to encourage you, to support you in this. Because mission is a big rock, but so is community. Big idea, Christians do mission and encouragement better together. It looks like being devoted to prayer, it looks like acting wisely, and it means being in community. How often have you jumped on YouTube to just watch a DIY, or how to cook, or find a life hack? I just need to see how it's done. And once you get a picture, once you get a sense of what it should be, it's so much easier, isn't it, to know how it should look. And these last few verses from Paul and Timothy in Colossians are a reminder that each of you here are the DIY videos for mission and encouragement. After all, encouragement and prayer for each other is not going to come from anywhere else but here. Only those who know and love Jesus will pray for mission and maturity among his people. You will not get that from anywhere else, which is another reason why we do life better together. And let me pull on these verses for a moment and and wrap up what Paul's saying with the way of a big picture, first of all. So Paul and Timothy have given us some of the greatest thoughts of Jesus ever written in this book of Colossians. But for them, their theology of God is lived out in real-life friendships and relationships. Each of Paul's letters is full of personal greetings at the start and at the end. Therefore, you might find it hard to read these verses. You don't know any of these people. What does it matter that Paul says, greet so-and-so and say thank you to that person, welcome them and receive them? But at the very least, know that Paul's understanding of God was done in the context of deep, dear friendships. And that's something to always keep in mind with our thinking of God too. But there is more we can say, and I just want to look at verse 16. Paul reminds them to see the other churches near them in Laodicea, the region he's at, as missional partners. He says, read the letter I wrote to them. And when you've read this one, give that to them. Right around the corner, Epaphras, someone else who he mentions in the letter, planted three churches. And those three churches, no more than 20 kilometres apart, are to be seen as missional partners, do ministry with, encourage one another, pray for one another as they get battered and bruised in a tricky world facing the shifting winds of influence away from Jesus. You see, one of the big themes in Colossians is to keep faith in Jesus and carry on. And we do that in the context of a community pointing one another to him over and over again. And as Damien said a few weeks back, the church is God's gift to us. It is kindness to give us the local church. Paul says a great deal about the church. Reminds us that Jesus calls out his bride, therefore it's a big rock. 
mission, community, two big rocks. And then he ends Colossians with one more command in verse 18. And it's really hard to see, but it's a very odd thing. He says, remember my chains. Remember is a command. But it's not that they need to say each week, do you know Paul has handcuffs on? Gee, he's in prison, I forgot about that. Not quite. He wants them to remember what the chains symbolise. These chains are a way of God advancing the gospel. That prison is God's best use of time for Paul. Which means, for all of us, as we keep faith and carry on, know this, God's strategy looks different from yours but achieves way more. God's mission seems foolish at times and laughable, but it works. God's community is full of people with rough edges, sinful to the bone, but is the only group of people who are going to pray for and encourage you to keep going in the faith and be on mission. And when the winds of influence blow, tempting you from Jesus, may you keep faith in the supreme Son of God himself, Jesus the Christ. May be devoted and encouraging to those around us in prayer and in mission. And may God's grace be with you as you plod along the road of life, thinking about those two big rocks and what it looks like to put them in the jar first. And that is Paul's letter to Colossians. Let me pray. Our great God and Father, in your loving kindness, you sent Jesus as one of us, yet fully God, to bring us back to yourself, to rescue us, to forgive us. And we're so thankful. May we be devoted to you. May we prioritise mission and community, Lord, because we so often let that slip. But Father God, We know that that's not for our benefit or your glory. Give us such wisdom and grace as we go into our weeks. May we know Monday morning what to say to those at work and by Friday afternoon how to respond with kindness to those around us. So Jesus, we love you to bits. May you use us for your glory. Amen.